What does it mean to be creative? When I choose to be a moderator, it's my goal to make the focus on the celebrity and their relationship to the fans. To think outside the box. He said, well, you can't be all things to all people or something to that effect. You can't appeal to everybody. And I said, why the hell not? We sit down with artists, filmmakers, comedians, and performers of all genres to ask them eight simple questions on what makes them tick. And what can we learn from their quest for creativity? It's time for your Creativity Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We're in the basement of a... Somebody let us into their house again. Can you believe that, Steve? Well, I mean, the guns helped and the masks, so it does... <laughs> you know what I was getting into? I was like... Guys with guns and masks, that's fine. Come on in. Oh, a podcast? Come on. <laughs> that's very much how it Can't went you down. just take my money and leave? Oh. No, we'll take that after. Totally. Like, we're totally going to take that after. <laughs> we're in. Yeah, thank you for being in my house. Not a problem. Where the hell are we? We're in Richie T's basement. Yeah. Uh, oh, a quick warning, gentlemen. Um, don't touch this part of the ceiling. I'm pretty sure it's asbestos. Uh, it's the old popcorn Wait, ceiling. he's saying that as he's touching it. Yeah. So, like, just saying. I, I think it's like... And I don't understand why they did that, right? Like, so it's flat in some parts and the popcorn ceiling in other parts. I don't, I don't understand why you would ever paint the popcorn onto the ceiling. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that has asbestos in it. That's all that was. Pretty sure that's what my parents did in our basement. <laughs> so, Why? I don't get it. <laughs> a different time, man. I guess I don't know. It's awful. We're in my devastating uh, basement at the Homesteadman, and people can see pictures of the Homesteadman if they uh, search the hashtag the Homesteadman. You can see all the different uh, incarnations that this house has been so far, and then what it hopefully will become as I work. So it. you can post pictures of the asbestos. Yeah. In fact, you know what I'll do today? I'll post some pictures of the asbestos so people can check it out. Okay, that's good. Of you touching it? Yeah, of me touching it, <laughs> feeling it. I won't breathe it. Just, just that's touch it. That's what kills you. You're fine as long as you don't breathe it. Yeah, it doesn't kill you right We're in you. a really well-vented basement that's not vented at the moment, so just saying. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> No, I'm fine. I've got a year-old Sprite if you want one. <laughs> Let me know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and some almonds. Some uh, smokehouse almonds. Let me know. Smokehouse. They're the 100-calorie the packs. If you want one of those, you let me know. That's what I've been living on. <laughs> hey, that, almonds are healthy. Yeah, no, I know. They're not healthy when you dip them in smokehouse seasoning and all that stuff. <laughs> in the asbestos basement. And that could be in the smokehouse flavoring sure, too. Sure, it's fine. Different kind of smokehouse. It's <laughs> no, good. No, it's with the bestest. <laughs> so, Dylan, what's up today? We're we're gonna talk to Richie about every, everything he does. Ugh, I'm tired already. I, I don't even know where where to start with describing you. Why Why don't you describe yourself for us? Um. Well, I'm a middle-aged gentleman recently out of a divorce who so he's single on tinder and bumble <laughs> so <laughs> on neither here's the deal so uh with tinder right uh when i got divorced everyone's like yeah you gotta do tinder you gotta do the tinder thing and uh and so i decided you know what uh i'll do the tinder thing i will i will run out there i will do the tinder thing and and so you can log into Tinder with Facebook, and it does the automatic pictures for you, right? Searches, does some sort of algorithm or something like that. And so I have my uh, my Tinder profile, and uh, at first I think everybody is sort of this way, right? Like you're really selective about who you swipe right on, right? Like it's like, you know, I am not going to just swipe right on anybody, so I'm going through. I'm like, no, no. Okay, yes, she gets the swipe right. And then, uh, like, no matches, right? But I felt like I was pretty selective, but I probably swiped right, like, on, like, 20 people the, the first day. Nothing. And then the next day, I'm, like, 40 people, right? I'm, like, a little less selective. I'm, like, well, maybe I was thinking I'm a little better than I am. And part of it is the validation where it's, like, does anybody want me, uh, you know, post 
post-marriage in the divorce zone all that stuff right so then like 40 the second day nothing then like 60 the next day nothing no matches so it gets to be where i'm about five or six days in on tinder and i'm swiping right on everyone just to see if someone will match with me and i'm like why what is the deal here See, that's kind of my model. Just shut my eyes yeah. and just keep swiping. And like, I'm not really sure what I'm getting, but I, I haven't found a match yet. No? Yeah, no matches. Uh, so I'm like, what? And so my, my friend is like, well, what are your profile pictures? And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing, right? Because uh, Facebook, like I said, would select one, one picture, right? And I saw that one and it was a, it was a, you know, I wasn't about to be anything like glam shot or whatever. Cause it's like. Take me as I am. I'm not doing anything, you know. You didn't want the unicorn and stars background, right, exactly. Uh, so, so they're like, "What are your other profile pictures?" And then I start looking through my other profile pictures that Facebook selected for me automatically. And like the second one is um, me with a uh, scorpion in my mouth from the folks over at Creative Encounters <laughs> or Creature Encounters here in Salt Lake. Good old Carrie. Uh, yeah, and then. Uh, the third one is me with my hair so messed up, just like just messed <laughs> up with one of my interns sitting on my lap. And it's, you know, it's about the bo- most homosexual, uh, homoerotic photo you could have. Uh, so that's the third photo. And then the fourth photo is me and my ex-wife's engagement photo. And that's what the four photos that Tinder slash Facebook selected for me. It's they're like, the of course most Im- not. They're the most important people in your life. Right. So, uh, I changed it up, but I ended up matching with one girl, and then I, once we kind of met and went out, I took it. I got off of Tinder, <laughs> and Bumble. I just was like, "What? What is this? I don't have time for these things." And downloaded it, looked at it, took it off. Ah, I know. I'm I'm old fashioned. I'm like. Uh, I'm like I'm like uh, Steve. I'll meet you in a in a bookstore, and I'll write my phone number in the book and my name, and you find it 20 years later. That, I'm that kind of romance. That's who's been putting the notes on my car. Yeah. <laughs> Just call me. Richie. <laughs> I'll meet you at Sam Weller's. Come we'll be on. there later today. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, wait. So what were we? we oh, the, so that's one of the things I do is get on and off of Twitter. I guess. <laughs> so the going back to the question. Um, I produce the radio from Hell Show on X96. It's a rock alternative station in Salt Lake City. Uh, I get to work usually between about 4.30 and 5, and that show has been in the top five since I've been there. I've been there now 12 years. Um, so are you saying it's in the top five specifically because of you? Before no. then, like, Bill and Carrie, they were, like, maybe in the top no, 15 no, no, I mean or something. Good, but, I can, but I can with uh, confidence say, I mean, I have some part to do with it, right? Because mm-hmm. they've been in the top five the whole 12 years I've been there. Maybe I have nothing to do with no, it. No, I think it's entirely you. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm actually going to sit on the floor because this bar stool is not comfortable, I've decided. Or maybe sit on a chair. Um... No, I'm going to sit on the floor. You got it? Oh, yeah. Asbestos floor. Well, I'm going to hog I'm gonna hog this mic for a moment then. But So, Richie, tell us a little bit about you. Like, I kn- I've done some research. Uh-oh. So, so, tell me, you're more than just a producer. You've done all kinds of stuff. But going back to when you were a child, Dr. Demendo. Okay, so. What, did, uh, what role did that have in your life? So if we're going way back, right? So um, when I was younger, like, uh, man, I must have been like fifth or sixth grade. Um, Dr. Demento, which is, uh, I think, where Weird Al got his start. Um, It was a program that would come on K-Bear, which is a rock station, like active rock station, kind of classic rock station here. And uh, it would come on like 11 o'clock at night and... uh, it was just like your silly, wacky songs, right? Like all your Weird Al stuff. Or um, trying to think of some of the other ones, some of the other artists that were, but they were just funny. And so I would stay up um, with my mom's cassette recorder and program it with the radio, and I would record the whole radio. And then this was back when, like, if you wanted to do it without commercials, that then you had to dub it again. From your original to taking out the commercials and then get your your finally your whole thing, and then I would take the um, I would take the cassette tapes with these funny songs where most of the most of the songs and most of the jokes were um, 
were pretty adult. Like I remember one in particular, there was this song called Wet Dream, which now remember I'm fifth or sixth grade. Uh, the song Wet Dream is this, it's obviously this whole innuendo song, but it's uh, about this guy who all of the things he keeps dreaming about um, are fish related, right? So like, um, like uh, it's sort of a narrative in a song and it's like, uh, oh, the, the, I, I took in my rented barracuda and the, uh, and the mechanic said I'd blown a seal and he said, fix the dang thing and leave my private life out of it, right? And so... Like I knew, I knew the punchlines for jokes, um, but I didn't understand the full scope of what the joke was. I just knew I could tell by the sound of it when the joke was. So I'd go and I'd play it for the kids at school. I'd take my tape recorder, this big, bulky, you know, not your iPod, your tape recorder. Wait, so the teachers were okay with you talking about wet dreams in school? <laughs> well, no, 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 at recess. So we would, so we would gather around the tape recorder. At recess and play these old songs. So, I mean, that was sort of the start of, of doing that. When I um, going into middle school, uh, I w- I was, and people are pretty surprised about this. I I was fairly, um, I had taken uh, like uh, an advanced math class. I was, you know, pretty smart. I guess I don't like to tout myself as smart, but I guess that's what it was. And so, uh, you know, I was kind of on the on the path of being. You know, more sort of intellectual than... Where did you grow up also? Uh, Sandy. Okay. So I went to... Uh, so between 7th and 8th grade is when my parents got divorced. Uh, so 7th grade year, like, I'm going in and I'm like, it is business classes, it is communication stuff, and this is what I want to do. And uh, so my parents get divorced. My my oldest sister, she's in college or about to go to college. My older brother, he's in high school, so he's you know basically doing his own thing. And my two younger brothers are too young to really kind of get what's going on. But right in the middle of it, I'm you know I'm screaming for attention, middle child anyway. And uh, real quick, I learned that um, you know the way for me to get attention was not by taking these business classes and not by doing this, but by you know, being funny or getting people to laugh. And and so I would do stuff like that. Come eighth grade, ninth grade, I started to dress uh, from the DI, which is a thrift stop, uh, thrift store here in, in Salt Lake, uh, like the Salvation Army. So it would be like old corduroy suits. Um, I went through a phase of uh, like the polo shirts that you would get if you work at 7-Eleven or Circle K or, you know what I'm saying? So all those kind of shirts, I'd spend all my newspaper route money and my money from cleaning the uh, the handicap school, like the the kids. That's probably not the right term, but I can't think of what the right term is. But like, uh, there was this school where the where kids who were um, uh, severely severely um, disabled, right? But they had school, so they could le- learn these basic motor skills. Um, and some things like that there where I was a janitor and I'd take all my money and just spend it on the dumbest clothes. I went through uh, like a floral print wide lapel phase and, and all these things. And then um, through high school wore you guys remember the basketball player Scotty Pippen? Oh yeah. Yeah, played with Jordan back in those days. He uh, Pippen had a, a line of shoes too. So Michael Jordan does, but Scottie Pippen did, and his were just bright red. They looked like clown shoes. And so went up to the Nike outlets up in Park City and bought a pair of like size 17 or 18 Scottie Pippins and wore those every day. Like normal pair of pants, normal shirt, big old shoes that I would just uh, walk around in. So, um, I mean, a long story, not very short. Uh, just kind of always did things that would do attention. Did student government, did theater in high school, did uh, the choir and got to perform with them a bunch. And, and uh, yeah, so I guess that kind of gets me through high school. Okay, and then Scotty Pippen. Right. Chicago. Sure. Integral, integral part of your life. Absolutely. So let me get there. I'll go quick through the other stuff. So uh, first year of college, went to Southern Utah University. Same deal. My mom did this big thing where – um, she was like, yeah, okay, your theater has been fun. Uh, you know, what you've been doing is fun, but you need to really buckle down. So but she I, was trying to clean out the corduroy suits. Yeah. <laughs> you go away to college. Uh, I'll, no, I'll take care of this. 
but I mean, she really emphasized the importance of getting a good and quality education. And um, so I got down to SUU in my first semester. I took all the classes, like all the gen ed classes that I should have, right? So none of the classes that I really liked, but ones that I needed to take care of. And it was the worst semester. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. So the second semester, I just was like all theater classes. And I'm like, I'm going to go on a mission for the LDS church. Um, and so then I uh, come back and I take a bunch of dance classes because before, this is uh, kind of an interesting thing, before I had thought uh, in my wrong thinking but not exposed to the world kind of thinking, um, I'd always wanted to take dance classes or to be a part of dance, but I sort of equated dance with gay. And I was like, well, I'm not gay, so I don't want to take dance classes, right? Um, because taking dance classes makes you gay. And which it sounds so absurd to say that, but it, I think there was a little part of me in my in you know my younger years that thought, yeah, this is that's that's how it is, right? It's not that you are attracted to men; it's that for some reason you take a dance class and then you love men, um, <laughs> which that is great logic, right? But it really it really was a thing. So I had a mission companion who, uh, like, he was you know he was very straight and uh, he loved dancing, and we would. Oftentimes when we were tracting, we would like dance down the streets of Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, and so it sort of made that safe. So then I got back to college and did that. And then um, working up to Chicago, I'm getting there. So then I started working at the radio station. And uh, I had been dating this girl for a couple of years. And it didn't end up working out. She moved away for school and it didn't end up working out. And I was really... Um, really depressed and also really like uh, just sort of wandering, right? Couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And and to be truthful, being really self-destructive, um, drugs or alcohol has never been my destruction, but there are plenty of other destructive ways that you can have besides that. And I and I enjoyed every single one of them. Like asbestos, um, the almonds, yeah. like the year old Sprite. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. Living on the edge. Um <laughs> the asbestos seriously it's so ridiculous and it's got glitter in it can you see that that's how you know it's got asbestos i actually looked that up that's how you know there's asbestos in it um just because there's glitter doesn't mean you're gay either yeah <laughs> my ceiling is gay um so in the midst of making just terrible life decisions i went out to um chicago um there they were offering this uh these week-long uh, immersions is what they call them, but they're essentially just workshops. And I took some improv stuff with Second City. And then another one that they did that was a couple of weeks was this thing called um, clowning, clown, essentially clown college. Um, not like the here's how you paint your face, you know, and, you know, make sure you fit the water in the flower and, you know, squirt people in the face. But this whole mentality of um, clowns and clowning and uh and what that means and and how um so so i mean if we can dive real quick so the idea with clowns is that is that nothing is impossible for a clown right um they can make up these ridiculous ways to solve the problems and they work because they're clowns and and for whatever reason that way of of looking at life changed my life completely at that time um it was, it was what I needed and it was, um, and it just really resonated with me. So then I came back and shortly thereafter I met my now ex-wife and, and was really inspired, um, immediately coming back to do the Salt Lake Comedy Festival, which we did for five years, which was a great experience and a lot of work. Uh, it inspired me sort of to do, um, the Cultural Hall, which is a Mormon podcast that I do. People can find it at theculturalhall.com or anywhere that podcasts are available. Um, but it, I mean, that, as I look back kind of on my life, that was a, a time where I think had I not done that or found myself at, sort of at that time, um, I, you know, I don't know. It's always that like looming. I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't done that. But I genuinely, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't done that. So... Uh, what? So Chicago. Yes, I love Chicago. <laughs> and I got to see the the Cubs play in the World Series last year in the only game they won at Wrigley. And if they keep playing as crappy as they're playing this year, they may not make it again this year. So I'll take that. We'll have to wait another 108 years. No. <laughs> you take that back. I was kidding. Okay. I, I, I know 
You guys want a 108 year old Sprite? I might have one actually here. I'm, I'm doing okay. <sighs> um, let's touch on the theater again. You do stuff at uh, the Desert Star Playhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so How'd you get connected with them. So, uh, my my first year back. Um, well, I guess a couple things. So my grandmother is a theater teacher here in the state of Utah, or she was, I guess, for several years. She won Teacher of the Year. She was recognized as like arts theater teacher, got this big thing because she inspired a lot of people. She's amazing. Uh, Mavis Stedman is her name. And um, when I was probably seven or eight, she took me over to Murray Park, and they have uh, an outdoor amphitheater where they do shows every summer. It's like a two-week run of something. And um, we saw South Pacific. And, uh, you know... I don't know if it was that I got to get free popcorn uh, at the show when I knocked over a basket of popcorn and they're like, oh, did you want that? Because you can have that basket for free that you just knocked over or, um, you know, watching the the show itself or just the lights. I'm not sure what it was, but I remember that very distinctly being an awesome experience. But then uh, she took us to Desert Star when Desert Star first opened um, to see Phantom of the Opera. I think it was called something else, but it was a Phantom of the Opera spoof. And uh, I remember saying out loud to her and to the, I think when the MC talked to me, I said, you know what, one day I'm going to perform on the stage here. And so that sort of always stuck with me. And, you know, for my 14th or 15th um, birthday, I got season tickets there. So I would go a bunch and just love it. And then um, when I got back uh, going forward, when I got back from my mission, um, I got back in the summertime and uh, I remember reading in the newspaper for an audition notice. And up to this point in theater, I'd never really done anything where I had said lines by myself on stage. It was always like, yeah, I'm one of the guys in the chorus. Yeah, well, let's go get them or, you know, whatever the thing is. And um, so I went and auditioned and, you know, they ask for a headshot when you audition. And um, I didn't have a headshot, so I took my I took my face to a Xerox copier and did the left side of my <laughs> face, the front of my face, and the right side of my face. And, um, you know, I did an audition. And back then, my teeth could come out. So I'm, you know, I'm taking my teeth out. And, and they're like, man, you have a, you have a huge commitment to comedy. Because that was the only reason I still hadn't had my teeth fixed. Because I was like, this is funny. And, you know, all these things. And, and I didn't hear from them. I was devastated. And then about a month later... You know, they call me up. I remember exactly where I was. I was out mowing the lawn. Um, you know, my cell phone goes off, and they're like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, great. And they're like, hey, we need you. And I'm like, oh, cool. And they're like, yeah, in five days, uh, we, you'll need to step into the show. And at that point, I'm just, like, freaking out. It was a show called Beverly Hillbillies 90210. And uh, I played with this most amazing actress was the one who I pretty much was in all the scenes with. Her name is uh, Mary Parker Williams, who she's over at uh, Hale Center right now doing it's a or not it's a Wonderful Life, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Phenomenal, she's great. I'm freaking out. I'm having to memorize all these lines in five days and all the songs that we do in the Olio afterwards, and uh, and just loved it. And then since then, I mean, they can't get rid of me because I just love it that much. Which character were you in in the Beverly Hillbillies? I was the grandpa character, <laughs> so. Our big musical number was a, a song called um, Seniors in the Night. And and it's interesting because it kind of plays back to the stuff with Dr. Demento, right? There A lot of those songs were sort of parodies, so it was such a natural fit. But it's like, seniors in the night, exchanging dentures, wandering in the night. I can't, I, I, uh, uh, I can't remember. But um, we had this kiss. So she's old enough to be my mom but we had this kiss so there i am in my first show where i'm doing anything and i have to kiss this lady that's like 25 years older than me and it wasn't that we even kissed like a passionate kiss that's not what it was but um there was a bit there was a bit that i either i can't remember if they were supposed to be viagra or i get smashed in the face and they're supposed to be my teeth which could still come out at the time yeah which could still come out at the time what I can't remember, but they were Tic Tacs, and I had to take them from my mouth and put them in hers. 
and it was just the most uh <laughs> they stopped doing that after that show and in fact in a couple episodes in with her or not episodes a couple shows in with her we stopped doing it but kids were passing out in yeah. the alley yeah. it was like just no <laughs> block that out I, I think it stopped because she didn't want to do it anymore but it it made me so nervous <laughs> Right? Oh my you god. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Oh, I can't believe I just said that on this thing, but my god. That was the actually okay, in all the podcasts I've been a part of, uh-huh. that was the most iconic. That was uh, epic. Oh shoot. Yeah, man. I hope people enjoyed that story. That was pretty good. <laughs> Incredible story. Uh so anyway, uh where were we on things? Sorry about that little tangential joke uh, there for a minute. We, we had to let the guy out of the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You blocked him in. You wanted to, get, you wanted to go get a sandwich over at Grey Harvest. No, that's what he said, but yeah. w- which was code for, please, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah, Let a, me out of the cell. It's a Modelo break. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're heading off. Uh, so anyway. Um, Desert Star. You're oh, yeah. About. So I've been there now for 16 years. Love it. Love the opportunity. It's like, It's like playing with friends, which is the best part about it. Like, uh, it's, it's just like being with creative, amazing, funny people and, uh, taking something that's pretty funny already, originally and just amping it up and, you know, seeing what we can do. And it's awesome because it's a, it's an environment in a community where it's like, I'm going to try this. And instead of people being like, well, it's always like, yeah, awesome. And when you do that, I'm going to do this thing. And then we can build off each other from that. So... Yeah, that's Desert Star. Okay, uh, so you're like a man of all trades. You've done all kinds of stuff. What are you afraid of? Uh, I'm. I you know the thing is, uh, failing. I'm. If you look at the things that I do, uh, I I don't take a considerable amount of risks. Um, everything is pretty calculated, um, and uh, you know thought out and sort of measured and and. Uh, yeah, so risks is a thing I I, I don't do, and fear and fail. Uh, my fear is failing. Um, the house that we sit in is sort of an example of a, as I'm trying to, um, you know, grow or be a a, a deeper person. I guess um, I don't know what I'm doing as far as renovating a house goes. Uh, I literally, you know, the people, the electricians are here today, but. You know, you can they can tell you about conversations where it's like, yeah, let's do this, and then the next time they come, I'm like, yeah, I thought about that. Let's not do that. Let's do this. And um, so, I mean, there's a lot of things out there for me. Like, I would love to just move away and go and experience something else. But I have a fear of either, you know, not having enough money for retirement, or getting there and not being able to find a job, or like losing anything that I've gained as a person here. Um, you know, cause so much in the entertainment industry or just, you know, in life, like I, I feel like the more you do it, if you stay in the same place, it gets kind of easier. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I have this tremendous fear about um, taking a leap and having it be wrong. But here's the thing. And I mentioned this on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, maybe even last week, is it's like any time that I've taken the risk, um, like I, I haven't ever failed, and people are like, "Oh, but your marriage." And I'm like, "Thanks, jerk," but I don't feel like my, I don't, I don't feel like I failed at my marriage. You know, I feel like I did the very best I could. I feel like it didn't work out, but I don't, I don't feel like I failed. Um, and so it's interesting that I would be so literally uh, petrified about some of the things that I want to do um, for fear of failure because I, I don't know that I would allow myself to fail. But for some reason, I don't get past the I could fail, so I better not do that. Yeah, yeah you, you got to keep trying because there's there's different things that I've, you know, this podcast is one of them. If, you know, it, it was inspired by you, it was inspired by my brother's blog, it was inspired by the Creative Mornings things I go to. It just, you know, without taking that first step, you know, and, and it's been an amazing experience. I guess CST all the time because we record court together and that actually is probably the worst part for dylan is having to be stuck with me (laughs) and asbestos poisoning you never would have had that never (laughs) you feel it in your lungs by the way (coughs) what (coughs) 
No. It's it's all right. <laughs> I can feel it in my fingers. I can feel it in my toes. I think I just had the death rattle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Oh no. We're gonna have to carry him out of here. <laughs> this will be her last podcast. <laughs> the the so death can, rattle. If you hear real, if you listen real closely, you can hear the death rattle from yeah. Steve. <laughs> Did you hear that? Like, have I you mean, heard I, the death rattle before in real life? Yeah. Horrible, right? But, but you know, I also thought it would no, be. No, you're not going to tell me it's that it's a sweet something. No, but it would be a pretty badass. Like, okay, if you're a wrestler, like the death rattle would be a pretty cool name. Yeah. And then you yeah, come or out like, like your signature move, right? Yeah. Oh no. You know, I don't know whatever the guy's name <laughs> is. Coming in at two hundred and ninety-five pounds, the death rattle is coming out right now. Jeez. You were just slammed. That's a great name. You were just yeah. You were just <laughs> slammed by the death rattle. How do you feel now? He's got like the rattlesnake tattoo on his <laughs> arm, and you know his whole thing is some obnoxious thing with his hand. You know, I remember the, with the rock being like, uh, you know, the people's elbow, and it always shows yeah. elbow. I mean, yeah, it better tattoo. be a snake as opposed to like a little baby rattle, yeah. and because that would just be a little <laughs> like a just baby. a little pissy. Like cry me a river, little death rattle. Yeah. Like see where I go now. Well, I actually like the comedy behind that. Actually, maybe the death rattle is just like a grown man in a baby costume, <laughs> a little baby bonnet, skull t-shirt, yeah. diapers, <laughs> whole thing. He whips out the diaper to reveal his wrestling shorts, or his death rattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Uh, yeah. A few episodes back, uh, I interviewed our, our producer Sasha and his podcast made about radio and podcasting and kind of where they are right now uh-huh. I, i'm interested what your opinion where is podcasting right now so many people don't know about it uh or know about it but don't do it um it's fascinating to me uh i mean because i feel like people who do it know it have their podcast that they love but so many people i don't think have ever downloaded a podcast i think it's more and more every year but um, I am surprised, and it's and I think it's generational some, but I you know I'm surprised about uh, a lot of people that are my age and younger who have never listened to a podcast, have who when I say you know podcast and they either go you know the comic thing is what time is that on and it's like no it's a it's like on demand <laughs> shut up okay never mind. anytime because I have to <laughs> eat dinner and then yeah. I have Jeopardy yeah. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I don't know if I can squeeze in the podcast um, so so there's that and then like how do I download it right uh, I think that my dad uh, is a great example of someone who would really like podcasts he's got an iPhone you know has all the means necessary to do it but just you know, doesn't get what what that could be, right? He's an avid runner. Would love listening to, you know, some of those huge podcasts about you know runners. I can't think of what the names of them are right now, but um, would love that. Um, and and I think he just is is one that goes. You know, when he thinks of listening to something, he does think, okay, well, in the morning it's Doug Wright on you know KSL, and then I flip over to my oldies for the you know noonday countdown and. And uh, so there's some of that. And then there's other people that I don't know if it's just late adopters or ignorance, you know, not ignorance in a in a in a mean way. Um, But so I so the other side of it is I feel like um, probably what, four, three or four years ago when everyone had a podcast. Right. Everyone's had a podcast. And and and, uh, I feel like now we're getting at a time where those that have consistently done it are starting to have really great things. I feel like there are new up and coming uh, podcasts that are really great, but I feel like he's saying that about us with like the air asterisks. Like there's some up and coming. Maybe they'll make it. It could go either way. This episode is awesome. (laughs) Especially that story. Yeah. But, uh, but um, like I, I I feel like there were for a short time, there was a, yeah, anybody can have a podcast kind of thing. And that was sort of the joke. And I, and I know that that is the case, that anyone can have a podcast. But I feel like people quickly were like, yeah, I have a podcast about gardening. And they'd get an episode in and go, this is harder than I thought. Or people would be like, yeah, but that was so boring. We talked about <laughs> seeds for so, you know. Um, 
So he I talked about the death rattle. Yeah, you, talked, <laughs> you guys went on about the death rattle. Maybe you call your podcast the Maybe death Maybe you guys rattle. just don't get it. Yeah. You're the wrong audience. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't know what you're listening for. You got the wrong thing going on. So uh, I feel like it's finally a time where podcasts that um, are going to be successful now are ones... I still feel like anybody can create and have a podcast, and that's what's so great about it, right? You have a microphone, you have access to the internet, you've got a podcast. But you've got a phone, you could, you know, yeah, almost yeah, yeah, do yeah. it, yeah. Um, but I feel like the ones that will get, you know, the the listens or the the notoriety or anything like that, will be the people who are more entertained. I feel like there was a time where it was just or more entertaining. There was a time where anybody could do it, and, and people kind of went, oh, cool, this, and I'll listen to that. And now I think uh, standards for podcasts are starting to go up a little bit. Production value. Yeah, and not necessarily this one, because remember that time where we had to shut the thing up? Uh, Letting the guy, the guy out of the cell yeah. just to go pee? Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna Some yard time. Is he back yet? Do we need to lock? <laughs> where are the shackles? Is he? Where is he? No, he, he's chained to the toilet. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> I tried podcasting out in those early days, and they they weren't pretty episodes. No, I I I did one episode of one called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, uh-huh. and it was it was through a thing where you could have guests call in, and you played the game, uh-huh. and that that was interesting. And you know, I just never did it again, but it was it was kind of fun. And then I did one episode of I called it the Travel Cast. And I talked to a guy from Hawaii. Uh-huh. The recording didn't even work. Luckily, he recorded uh-huh. it, and that's the the audio file that I have. Nice. But yeah, uh, you think I'm nervous now yeah, when I do no, this? I think, no, I think this is great, it's and it's crazy. you know, so it's interesting. So I think about like the the Mormon podcast I do, the Cultural Hall. It's pretty successful, and I feel like it. Okay, pretty successful. You were actually like awarded like the best podcast from Utah. Awards, come on, <laughs> stop it, Steve. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it and it was the fastest growing for a while, and we were nationally ranked for a little bit. And you know, the thing is, and uh, like it's so hard because um, there's so much time. It's like another job, and uh, so it's hard when that's not paying you to always stay connected to what it is. And and for me, like that one in particular was about having discussions about things in and around Mormonism that were difficult for people to have um, so that everyone sort of felt included, you know, very inclusive and um, safe. So I, so there's that. Um, but but uh, I think it's easier when, and there are lots of people who do this, that they make a little scratch from what they're doing, right? Money can be a great motivator, right? Like, oh, man, I'm tired, or I should probably spend time with my family or whatever, but... I put another one of these episodes out and I can make a couple hundred dollars. That'll be experiences with us or this is my only job. So this is what's paying the rent. Uh, and where with that one in particular, it wasn't a money making thing, but sort of a passion thing. It's hard because, you know, passions um, don't come and go necessarily, but can get distracted by other things. As I've been working on this house, it's been really hard to do that one. I'm working now. So I, uh, my older brother is the community director for Yelp. And um, is an author of a book called The Best Tent Camping in Utah. And he and I have talked about doing uh, the very same thing, which is a travel uh, podcast <laughs> um, with the idea that we would start locally going, uh, traveling around and doing like, um, you know, we talk to the guys from Big Cottonwood Canyon and, you know, find what that is and tell you about a couple of trails that we go on. And then we start to expand as people get interested in it, right? So when you guys hit the hotels for that, like instead of the tent stuff, mm-hmm. can I go? Yeah, no, and so that's so that would be the thing, right? So we would, so we would sort of uh, work out the kinks as we do this in the in these very local things, um, things that people would appreciate hiking very locally and doing some of that, but then garner an audience enough to be like, now we're going to Vegas and we're going to see what Vegas is like, and we'll have a hotel for Steve, right? Yeah, because I don't I don't camp. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the key yeah. thing in a no. in a in a no camping, camping and hiking. You wouldn't go glamping. Like, Would you go glamping? Yeah, maybe glamping. But okay. 
when it comes time that I need to go to the bathroom, I need a toilet. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, well, because I just don't do bushes. Can we make inappropriate jokes for a second? Because I think I would be afraid <laughs> if I were you that I would fall in. I mean, well, yeah, I'm afraid of that, but I'm afraid of a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, there's snakes, there's all kinds of stuff. There's scorpions in the desert. I mean, there's like some pretty bad things. Yes. I'm not sure I want to pee in that or do the other stuff. So, like, I'm just saying I want indoor plumbing. Well, that's just it's the smell for me. I don't mind. I'll pee in any hole. But like when you go in and it's just like like your eyes are burning from the whatever gases that come from when that stuff is decomposing. If you guys can helicopter me in for a bit, <laughs> like I probably have about four or five hours. So I could like be somewhere for four or five hours and then I need the bathroom. What's funny to me is as you tell me that and you're thinking of obviously sitting in the helicopter, like I'm seeing this image of you like uh, in a harness with a chain coming up. Guys, I'm coming! I'm I'm here. Here. I'm Wait here. a minute. We got to like turn <laughs> I'll be back in a, in a minute. Hold on. Just 10 minutes. It's I promise. I'll be right back. <laughs> it was a rougher flight yeah. than I envisioned. <laughs> just you took me so on well. the helicopter ride, but you didn't say it was outside. Um, I, and Richie, I know you're in a hurry. I, no, when, no hurry. Like No when, hurry. You just have, you know, 15 minutes. <laughs> okay, minutes. what you you talked about money isn't necessarily the the success. Right. What what does success mean to you, or what defines well, success? Sometimes it is for you? the money, Steve. I'll be honest with you. Like, um, so I've also we haven't even touched on this, but I also started doing wedding and uh, DJ stuff and emceeing things, and um, it, uh, to to know that what I do and getting crowds excited about stuff, or you know, making an event successful for somebody. Um, and then to see money come in from it, uh, it is success because it lets me know that these people wouldn't pay just anyone to do this. They need someone who you know will be professional, treat their event the way that it needs to be, but is, is also worth the money. And some of the events that I uh, have done and the the amount I've been paid, it's like, yeah, this is this is great. This is this lets me know this is vindication for me that. Um, a, not just anyone could do it, but but that B, that I'm valued for what I'm good at. So sometimes it is the money. I won't I won't lie. Um, but the other part of it, so like I mean, there's so many different things. Like sometimes it's just um, you, you know I think of uh, when I do the show at the Desert Star over Christmas, right? Christmas is a busy time, and sometimes it's a really lonely time for people. And um, you see people coming out of the theater who have some very obvious health problems or. Um, you know, you can tell that they were sort of stressed coming in and you need to be able to see people and they've just looked like they have just forgotten their problems for a little while. Like that to me, uh, is tremendously rewarding. When I think about, um, the things like with the podcast that I do, the Mormon podcast in specific where, um, you know, we'll talk about a subject that's hard or that, you know, that challenges a lot of people's faith or testimonies and, and uh you know receive emails where it's like you know what i thought i I felt like i was alone in this thing and you guys let me know that i wasn't so alone or um you know you answered some questions that have really been bothering me and now i you know i i have this and have you guys as friends as, as a resource and and being able to to help that out um you know, and then and then even going to the to the radio job. You know, I, uh, for the last couple of weeks, I was able to fill in um, for one of the regular hosts, um, which I don't often get to do, get to a couple times a year. But you know, this was for a couple of weeks stint, and uh, you know, having people say, "Hey, you know what? It it's a great show. It's not the same as when the regular host is there, obviously, but this was great, and we enjoyed you." Um, you know, it's not it's not it's not necessarily a pride thing, but it it is to me a thing where, you know, twelve years ago when I started working there, I didn't know the first thing about doing it. And now to know that I can step in and can do it without really causing a huge abrupt change to people, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. You remember to turn on the mics. Yeah, I normally remember to turn on the <laughs> microphone. Um I always make sure that whenever we do the show we do it in a basement with asbestos. No, but uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean some very for some very simple things, but also some complex things that I just, you know, as far as far as all those kind of professional things right now, I I, I feel really blessed for for where I'm at. Speaking of professional relationships and stuff like that, 
I just want to thank you for finally breaking down and letting me, you know, intern in X96 because e- even now what's happened, you know, because of that has been an integral part of what I do. No. You connected me with Keith Stubbs, you know. Who owns Wise Guys. Who owns Wise Guys. Know. That's a comedy club in Salt Lake. I, I do design work for them. I did design work for your uh, comedy festival. Mm-hmm. and The cultural hall. You do all that. The cultural hall. You kill it. It's awesome. I, I was the number two employee at cultural hall. I, I was there before it was a before podcast. Was anything else. I was probably eating the refreshments. I'm not, I'm not sure I ever made it <laughs> yeah, to the cultural hall. You didn't hall. make it into the cultural hall. You <laughs> went out in the kitchen. Guys, have you seen... I, I was just was looking for those snickerdoodles. If anybody has the snickerdoodles, I could have sworn there was a batch. No, it's those mint brownies, right? You know what I'm talking oh, about? Actually, Do you those guys are have really those? Good. Do you have those up at your no, shop? No, but maybe we should make them. I, you know, here's the thing. Let's let's uh, let me throw out an idea to you because not enough places do this. Call them the Mormon brownie, and it's the brownie with the layer of green mint and then the layer of frosting on the top, and you just call it the Mormon brownie. The BYU brownie is what they call it down in Provo. You just call it the Mormon brownie. Own it for what it is. I need I, to steal Laurel Bean's recipe. So, Laurel, if you're listening, I need to steal your recipe. Anybody that has access to Laurel Bean's brownie recipe, just kind of sneak it out of a recipe box, deliver it to the chocolate. I will give you chocolates at the chocolate shop for that recipe. Okay. I'll steal it. I'll okay. steal it for that. I'll get you your make, address. Yeah, I really will. Because those things, like there are not enough places that do that. And something like that, that just owns what it is. Because that is the pinnacle Mormon brownie. Just, mm, that's what I want for lunch right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Mormon brownie. Yeah. Layer of mint. It's a fine balance, too, because you can't have too much. I think milk. Mormon brownies in, in Colorado might have a different thing. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I mean, maybe we could different, go different, different routes depending on the audience. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what is this? I'm seeing multiple wives. No, I don't know. <laughs> I went for something, and then I went quickly. Nah, it wasn't where I wanted to I'm go. giving a lot more tithing this week. <laughs> I'm up to 20%. I'm giving 420 percent There it is. <laughs> My my closing question is, of all the things you do, you know, what are some of the favorite things that you've experienced or enjoy doing? Um, so for the radio, the, my favorite thing that I've done for them was we did a few years back now, like nine years or so, uh, the 5,000th episode, celebration of this morning show that's been together now 31 years. Um, we celebrated their 5,000th episode and went kind of like a, this is your life in radio. It was awesome. Um... Just starting the cultural hall was the thing for me. Just saying I was going to do it and then finally doing it. It was two years before it even got off the ground because we were trying to get a domain. So just the fact that I did it. And my ex-wife, the one of the things that I attribute greatness to her is that she said in, in her um, loving kind of way, she said, you know what, either, either do this or shut up about it. Um, and so, I mean, that that's a thing that I, uh, that I really love that has – you know, taught me a bunch about broadcasting and who I am and, you know, kind of where I'm coming from as far as that goes. Um, and then I guess, uh, you know, if we if we get serious for a minute, your question again, let me make sure that I'm answering it exactly. Just, just some of your favorite things of all, all the things you do. Um, this, this will sound cheesy, so cue the Hallmark music underneath. Uh, I love, so when I was married, I got a kid through it, and then we got divorced, and I made the commitment that I'd still have my kid in my life as much as he wanted to. And, um, and it, and lots of people are like, he's not even your kid. Right. And I came in like third quarter. He was like 11 years old when I first met him, but like having, um, an adult kid. And I think this would be the case if he was like my birth kid or, or otherwise, but, um, like having, uh, an adult kid where, Instead of like, oh, I'm worried about if he's going to do this or doing that, right? Like he does things that I wish he didn't do. But I'm sure that my dad would say the same thing about me. But I love palling around with him. Like just, um, he was here helping me at my house a couple of weeks ago and we ripped out a bunch of things. And he's worried about money now, right? Which was always, <laughs> I was always like, you're spending money, let's go. But, you know, he's like, hey, do you have some work? And I can come and we can hang out and, and I can work for you. And, um, to just have um, a relationship that is 
uh, you know, a friendship um, with my kid, right? Um, that's a thing for me. Um, and and then, you know, also things like what this is, um, getting to know people. Steve, I've known you for 10 years or so, and Dylan, I've known you for at, at least that long, if not longer. Yeah, pretty close to that, yeah. Um, but being able to see... Uh, other people's successes and, and other people's paths too, right? Like you, I sort of check in every now and then with folks and go, hey, what's going on? And to see, hey, the, you know, the store, there was for a time that your guys' store was going to go out of business, right? And uh, and to see that the community rallied behind it and to see that that's not the case and you guys continue to go. Like there, there's a certain amount of pride that I take in, in um, being friends with really awesome people um, who are willing to go with what their dream is, right? This thing may never be anything. Like, you know, and I I don't mean to say that it won't be anything because obviously we're recording it and it's existing, but it, it may not be this American life ever, right? Right. Uh, but that doesn't matter, it feels like. It feels like what matters is that you're doing it and that you love it. And so I love... Um, I love having people like that in my life that, you know, you guys do chocolate because it affects the community and you love it and it's a way to make a living and, and there's all those elements to it. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you're, you're out there and, and you're doing it. So those are things that I love. And I think actually that's why people love you is I, I think that actually you are a part of the community and I think we all feel that were your friend. Yeah. And and I think that that's like a huge strength to you, which is why this is such a good podcast is because everybody just thinks of you as a close friend oh, and they value you and they value your exactly. opinion and they feel like you're just the the neighbor next door that they can relate to. So. Yeah. Although to be fair, I don't have neighbors next door, so. Well, not yet. I mean, but once you we moved in once yet. we let the guy out of his cell, then he, you know, he may move right in next door. He's like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. That cell. Uh, He's actually a really nice guy. I got food. I, I used to be in this neighborhood. I lived a block south. Oh yeah. And I had my honeymoon a block north. There you go. Well, now you can retire <laughs> right here. I'll sell it to you when I'm done fixing it up. You can have <laughs> the it. The homesteadman. The homesteadman. If I get kicked out, if I help you, can I can I live here? Yeah, you bet. Okay. There's a secret room. I'll show you here in a minute. You're welcome to stay in there. Okay. <laughs> we have to just move <laughs> the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got to move the shackles and put in another we'll, toilet. We'll let you in. Uh, well, thank you, Richie. Thank You're you welcome. for joining us. Um, I'm just gonna do a of a, a little promoting. Okay. Uh, coming this summer at Hatch Family Chocolates, movies, kids' movies, bunch of Fridays. Uh, yeah, I don't even know when the hell we do them all. I mean, June, something. June, July, June, July, and August. Trolls, Sing, Moana, Lego Batman. I'm excited about seeing Lego Batman again. That's a fun movie. Yeah, they'll be fun. Uh, we've got an upcoming segment to the podcast. I love movies, and my friend Michael Reagan is going to uh, record with me or with both of us, depending on how schedules work out. And we'll just a little segment about movies, pop culture. Cool. So that'll be kind of fun. And then um, this week, uh, Sasha and um, Marcus were on uh, I Am Salt Lake talking about uh, the Utah Podcast Network. So I urge everybody to check that out and kind of learn about the network that we're on and everything. And just check us out on social, your creativity. The A is an eight. I know that's weird, but I like it. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Richie. No, thank you. And see you all next time. Bye-bye.